Dead men tell no tales. Fifty men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder. Had to say it quick, so Heather didn't jump in and hornswoggle my introduction. The Pirates of the Caribbean films, one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artist from ScottArtist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 26 of Dead Man's Chest. And I'm just wondering as I'm saying this, how could I be so excited to be on, well, dang near. One sixth of the way through. A hundred and freaking seventy episodes, or if you count bonuses more, still talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, and I can actually get excited about it, as opposed to, God almighty, we're here for minute 26 of Dead Man's Chest, we barely made it through Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. No! Here, in all my excited glory, to talk about... Holy shit, Batman, you know what I just discovered? <laughs> what? And I said it that way because we've now done this 15 times because the dog <laughs> shook and Heather was laughing. So I had to change it up. It's like an outtake. Well, it would be an outtake because you're not going to hear all that other stuff. But yeah, I just discovered I completely dropped the ball on the the minute recap. What? I lost it. It got overwritten. Guess you got to guess you got to wing it. I'm not winging it because genius just doesn't roll off the tongue like that. It takes me at least I two, wing it. two or three minutes to come up with some good stuff to put that down there. So in the previous minute, a couple of she wearing cannibals come bringing Will across the bamboo bridge and uh, weird-eyed Jack. Yeah, see, this is why I'm not going to wing it. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot it. Minute 26 begins because we're that'd moving be, on. That'd be eight-eyed Jack, by the way. Eight-eyed Jack. Better than one-eyed Jacks, I guess. Damn it. I can't believe I forgot that. That's like the my favorite part of the whole thing. Mine, too. Minute 26. It's what okay. I look forward to You know, every and day. I said I was so excited to begin this episode. Now I'm down in the dumps. I feel like now I know what it's like to be you when I bring up the pirate word and you didn't have one. Now I'm going, this was my minute to shine and now I've dropped the ball. Exactly. Now I will never be able to let this down. Live oh. this down. How's that? What, what is with me in common <laughs> phrases lately? The past one, I couldn't even remember what something was. I'm not even going to try it again. Minute 26 begins with Chief Jack Sparrow poking at a confused Will Turner, who continues to be tied and hanging from a bamboo pole. As Will struggles, he says, Jack, it's me, Will Turner. Jack approaches the onlooking tribe and says in his best umshoko, Wasekon! The tribe responds accordingly with, Indala! Ipsi, Ipsi! And bow their heads. The minute ends with Jack talking to the members of the tribe, Balikiliki! The cannibal warrior shouts, Balikiliki! And the rest of the tribe join in. Man, that was fun. Just love that. Raising their spears. We gotta put that in there. As Will is being taken away, Jack stoops and whispers, Save me. <laughs> Jack. I have to say, though, Balikiliki, 
There's a euphemism there, but I choose not to say it. Aliki, aliki. Yeah. Hey, I'm better than that. I don't go for that low-hanging fruit dangler fruits. Yeah. Jack talk pelagostos. Jack talk pelagostos very well. Ooh, Jack does talk pelagosto. Nice <laughs> reference. It's about time you're starting to step it up here. You're starting to be with the A-listers. I mean, you're still in the EF range. I am the A-plus lister, by the way. Really? Yeah. Jack talk pelagosto. Jack talk pelagosto very well. You got that right. Okay, Jack is the chief and on relatively good terms with the indigenous peeps for the moment anyways. So it's good he talks Pelagosto. It is. But my question is, what's the fascination with eunuchs? I have no clue. Why does he keep saying Will's a eunuch? See, this is what happens. Because I mentioned earlier on that there's this obscure conspiracy theory that the mark left on Cutler Beckett, the mark Jack left on him, was a snip snip. How does this fit into Jack's plan? We know he's got something up his sleeve, not wanting to give things away to the cannibals. So he's just stalling kind of thing. Yeah. Are eunuchs just not looked on highly in patriarchal society? What is his fascination with eunuchs? Well, they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be. Because the whole goal of humankind is to make babies. You don't know what my goal is. How dare you? In cannibal patriarchal society, I'm sure that that has something to do with it. It's like those tribes members that have those really long phallic covering sheets. the, The phallic sheets. Have you ever seen those? National Geographic. It's actually enlightening. <laughs> One of these days you should check it out. You know? Oh, my God. And I don't know if I would choose to share a penis phallic sheath on our Curse of Listeners crew group. I don't know. Maybe people want to see those things. Yeah. Natives. National Geographic. Heather, I'll help you out with that. I'll, I'll show you what National Geographic is one of these days. Thank you. For those looking for a bit of eunuch history, though. Eunuch History! Castration was typically carried out on the soon-to-be eunuch without his consent in order that he might perform a specific social function. This was common in many societies, actually. The earliest records for intentional castration to produce eunuchs are from the Sumerian city of Lagash in the 21st century BC. A long time ago. Over the millennia, they have performed a wide variety of functions in many different cultures. Courtiers or equivalent domestics, treble singers, religious specialists, soldiers, royal guards, government officials, and guardians of women or harem servants. I was going to say that they take care of women because they can be trusted with the women because, yeah. Exactly. Harem servants kind of deal. Yeah. Or in this case, a hearty long pork meal. Mm-hmm. They don't want the, uh, they want to leave that to, to euphemism territory. When Will tells Jack, hey, it's me, Will, he says, hey, it's me, Will. Jack continues to play along and ignore him. Yeah. But the thing that catches his attention is when he says he needs the compass because Elizabeth faces the gallows. Yeah, he kind of gives this look. Yeah, I have a question. It's kind of interesting. You You have what? I have a question for you on that. Okay, what kind of question? What causes Jack to spin around and then talk to the cannibals again? I think Jack is trying to play it cool. Like he doesn't know this eunuch. Well, that's my thing. Personally. No, not that part. When Will says the com- you know the compass in the Elizabeth thing, are Terry and Ted trying to throw us off? Jack stops in his track like no way he's giving up the compass. Yeah. But in reality, he's concerned about Elizabeth. I mean, maybe. Is that what's going on here? Possibly. Maybe. I mean, he, I mean, he seemed to show some concern or interest in if ja- the situation. Okay. If Will had just said, I need the compass... Would Jack, Jack would still go. have stopped like that and no. turned around? No. Or did he do it only because 
the Elizabeth line came out. Well, he kind of started looking around when they said that um, they were arrested trying, because of trying to help him. His eyes started going. Okay, that's And then when it, he yeah. said Elizabeth is faces the gallows, then he really So is it tugging reacted. on his heartstrings? Is that what's going on? Or did he come up with a new plan in this moment? Because he does whisper to Will, save me. Right. I want to know how Will's supposed to save him when Jack is the one that's not trapped right here and Will is. Well, that's the funny thing because Will is the one who's seemingly in trouble here. Yeah. At least from an audience perspective at this point. Right. I mean, do we going to go down the Will aisle here still? Or do we want to, or do we not really have a response of why Jack turns around at the compass Elizabeth remark. Is it because of Elizabeth only and it's not the compass? Or is it both? Like, Well, I think he kind of feels a little responsible because it's due to him that they were maybe. put in jail and that she's facing the gallows when she really did nothing wrong. That's possible. Really. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe he has some remorse. Yeah. And we know he does have some turmoil. Okay. Will Isle here. I mean, Will. we have to believe based on Jack's character, that he does have some kind of plan. Because we're getting back to that, right. right? As the trickster established in the first movie. I mean, is that what the writers want us to think? That Jack has a plan here? But he does say, save me. And that yeah. leads us to something unexpected. The opposite of what we expect actually happens. Because I almost forgot that we established in the first movie that Jack can't escape by himself. Right. He always needs help. Right. Even the expanded universe video game regarding the Turkish prison escape shows... That Captain Teague helped him get out of the prison. Yeah. So will this also be the case with the cannibal tribe? That's why he needs Will to help him get out. Well, what is the answer to Will's question here? Will's asking what uh, he said to the cannibals. Because they're carrying him away. Yeah. Well, Jack's telling him to save him. What did he say to the cannibals? They're carrying him away. Balicky, that would that would allow See, that's what happens. That here. would allow Will to save Jack. Well, that's true. I don't know, but they did say Balicky Licky, and we have just proven that Will is a eunuch. So no Balicky Licky. because <laughs> that's not gonna happen. It's just not there. <laughs> so, but I don't know. I tried to translate that. I tried to translate those words, and I couldn't do it. I didn't have the words for that. Baliki licky. Uh-uh. I did not. Go. Baliki licky is go. How? It's right there. Let me see. Yeah, that actually that was. There's something else he says. The uh eepsy eepsy and there's some other things that I didn't get that I don't think that were on our list cuz we do Ipsy, have some Ipsy words. Is on our list. But he is saying go to that, but there were some other words that I didn't get. Right. There are, and we can let's talk we can go down the cannibal road there since we're starting to talk about some of their language. I mean, there are two... Let's just start here, though. There are two standout Pelagostos in this minute. Almost on the verge of horror movie characters here. If there was a scale of cannibals you wanted to run into in the jungle, for instance, these two guys would be at the bottom of your list. They're the stuff of nightmares, for God's sakes. It's odd because most of the cannibals are gussied up. Traditional indigenous peoples, lots of human bone accoutrements. I mean, who doesn't want that? You know, the traditional paint. Uh-huh. However, let's call them Scary Man number one and Scary Man number two are frightful. You get a really good look at them in second 57 of the minute. Now we're getting specific here. The first is a really thin-skinned fella, let's just say. <laughs> I say that because his facial skin is, well, it's quite thin. No apparent lips. Hey, like you, Heather. Hey. 
He's obviously had a trauma to his upper lip as well. And I, when I say trauma, that also extends to his nose. For God's sakes, half his nose is gone. Maybe he got a little it's hungry. like Michael Jackson. Oh, hungry. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe he didn't get hungry. Maybe somebody else got hungry. Maybe he and his woman were trying to get, you know, like bring food into the bedroom kind of deal that some people do. And she ate his nose. Well, that's not good that's at possible. all. You know, some not people even marinated. Do some people, nine and a half weeks thing. Some people do cherries and strawberries and fruits and whipped cream and stuff. And she ate his nose. It's kind of like the George going for the trifecta in Seinfeld, since we're all about the Seinfeld references here. You got to bring in the pastrami. You got to watch the TV. <laughs> and then you do the other stuff. She ate his nose. Maybe that's, that's not it. good. But two holes in his head, not to mention that giant rib bone stuck through his bottom lip. <laughs> Perpendicular to his face. Nothing says you're hottie than having a rib bone through your bottom lip. That's projecting. I'm not talking a small thing. I'm talking perpendicular to your face and it's sticking straight out. Yeah, you could poke somebody with that Nothing thing. says that. Now, come on. I thought we left the tribal bedroom stuff here. And sir, let me just say that that bone doesn't cover all that. I mean, it's not a distraction. No. I mean, oh my God. It's not like I was sitting there going, hey. Oh, I didn't realize your nose was missing, sir. I was <laughs> caught looking at your wonderful bone lip, and I missed that your nose was gone. By the way, love what you did with your teeth. I love the let's sharpen all my teeth look. I mean, it's vampire to the maximum. My, what sharp teeth you have there, sir. Meanwhile, scary guy number two is laughing it up. All excited about the upcoming Will Turner festivities. The boar's teeth protruding from the side of your nose really is a nice touch. <laughs> Compliment your stubby, sharp teeth. Nothing says Longport Predator-like sharpened teeth. I mean, they really did the cannibals up here. Yeah. All of them, a lot of them are normal. These guys really are horror movie subjects. Or maybe they're real people and they've had trauma. And this is the first work that they've <laughs> had in a long time. That's, sad. that's what I'm saying. Maybe now I feel bad for making fun of them because the tribe were like, you know, can you throw these guys a bone and put them in the movie? Because they've really <laughs> had a hardship. I'm serious. And now I've been making fun of them and I feel bad for that. What's the umshoko word for sorry? I don't know. Sorry, don't, don't eat think, me. They don't think they have it. No, probably not. In a cannibal tribe, you don't have I'm sorry. Or maybe you should have I'm sorry. They probably have like 50 words for sorry because you want to make sure that you're really on the good side of everybody. <laughs> Most of them were actually wearing contacts lenses that were hands painted to give them a scarred or bloodshot really? effect. Yeah. God, that can't feel good to have hand-painted contacts in your eyes. They had so many. There were so many people that wore contacts in this movie. Huh. That were hand painted and stuff. That's well, crazy. you have all the, you know, a bunch of the pirates are wearing contacts yeah. and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But hand painted ones, that just yeah. seems weird. It just says, huh. yeah. Yeah. Maybe but it's most so wearing them. finely on there. God, Maybe. I, I, that's weird. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you get a speck of dust or a little oh, it string in your eye, it's like out, your yeah. eye just can't stop watering, let yeah. alone like it feels like there's somebody hand painted on there it's not like paint is smooth all the time i mean it might feel like a little ridge on there or something i don't know well if they put it i don't know i don't know how they would even do that i don't either unless they're super thin contacts and it's on there and that maybe they squish two together so you can't feel it or maybe these are things Hmm. we don't know we get a decent shot of jack's belt when will eyeballs his compass and that's not a euphemism it's a zoom in (laughs) look on jack's actual compass and his belt there it's not like Will is checking him out. I'm about to be eaten, but hmm, nice package, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's going downhill. <laughs> dangling, because I had to say dangling oh, from Jack's belts. What? This is uh-huh. this is a word. I know. <laughs> oh man, break out the rum. 
Because dangling from Jack's belt, you will find two pelts, a chicken foot, a snake, vertebra, and a mermaid charm. Really? Yeah, it's a Netsuki mermaid charm. Netsuki are miniature sculptures invented in Japan in the 1600s to hold small boxes and pouches onto obi sashes. Everybody has their obi sashes? Yep. Obi-Wan. Jack wears his mermaid charm hanging from his Anna Maria buckle on a length of cord that also has the snake vertebra tied to it. It serves no real purpose really on Jack's costume, but adds a neat little visual touch and hints that Jack has probably had some adventures in the Orient. Dare I say... Shanghai? Singapore. Where have you Singba- been? Singapore, I mean. No, but you know, <laughs> if you're going to look for the ladies, you go to Singapore, apparently. That's what Jack says. Yes. Shanghai. How dare you? Not that there aren't fine-looking women in Shanghai. I don't want to disparage Shanghai. We're talking strictly Pirates of the Caribbean here. Not talking... Okay, this is... I'm just going to get in trouble. Yeah. Walk the plank. Together, the snake bone and mermaid charm make up what Johnny Depp called a fertility symbol, which Jack wears just because. Okay. For the dead man's chest, look, the paws appear to be a red fox paw and the paw of a fisher. Everybody knows what a fisher is. Large member of the weasel family. North America. Big to-do about some of them coming back into... Okay, never mind. It's not biology here. When Pirates of the Caribbean costume designer Penny Rose picks up Jack's belts and talks about the manky pelts in the video... Because there's a video about some of this stuff. Yeah. And it's on Dead Man's Chest. This is kind of where I think this term minky pelts likely comes from, by the way, for this costume. Because unless somebody out there in the cosplay world, in the pirate world knows, I haven't heard the term minky pelts. And I thought, what the hell? Is somebody misspelling monkey? <laughs> Can somebody not say monkey? What's going on here? <laughs> but I think it's maybe the, the type that it is or she's calling it that or giving it a kind of cool pirate nickname or maybe it's part, some costume term. I don't know. But I couldn't really find the term manky pelts or okay. manky related to pelts. But that doesn't mean anything because it's not like I spent a lot of time with it. You know, only what, two, three hours? I wouldn't doubt it. This is why we need to go to three days a week <laughs> because I spend all my time researching one word. But the pelts don't hang loosely like soft fur. They stick straight out almost like the leg bones are still inside if you look at it. Hmm. Yeah. And that's what I kind of got. It looked like it almost had a paw on there. You not only explained why they hang from the belt the way they do, but they also look stiff and thin rather than fluffy and pelt. Kind of this plush look. Yeah. I've always seen, like, I've actually seen deer legs tanned with bone inside and used as Native American ceremonial rattle handles. So, I mean, maybe makes sense, like, things like fox legs could be tanned with bones still in place to do so, or they were just cut. It's almost like a rabbit's foot is the same thing. Yeah. Old school rabbits, but God, do they even do those anymore? I have no clue. But that was actually bone and it was calf. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's what it is. But we'll bring more Jack's belt stuff coming up. Maybe. Okay. Thought I'd throw a little intro into it. We did see a close up of his compass and utility belt. Let's just go with that. His headdress also has another hand like thing on it. Skeleton thing on it. Yeah, the one was a chicken's foot, so I don't know what's going this on. This is, with I mean, it looks like five fingers. Monkey? Maybe. Manky. Would they be? Would they be all the, about the same length? Manky? Yeah, possibly. You know, manky. Manky is me mis, <laughs> mis- saying monkey. Just so it fits with the manky pelts. God. Oh, man, this is, we really need to, we interrupt this broadcast to save us from this, but no. <laughs> Let's continue to move on. In reality, the Caribs spoke either a specific Carib language or what they call pidgin. Pidgin Pidgin being a grammatically simplified means of communication that develops between two or more groups that do not have a language in common. Heather and I know this. I speak English. Heather speaks pidgin just so we can kind of get along. A pidgin is not the native language of 
any speech community, but is instead learned as a second language. And it's really built from words, sounds, or body language with multiple other languages and cultures. Really, the idea is that it allows people who have no common language to communicate with each other, to kind of find common words or start to hybridize things to use it. Oh, okay. You know, like if you were trying to, for instance, Spanish or something, you start getting body language in there, but some words might be English, some words might be Spanish, and you start that's like Spanglish. kind of... Well, that's it. There you go. Spanglish. A prison... Uh, prison. <laughs> A pigeon language. But that would be kind of how it would be. Something similar yeah. to that. I mean, this pigeon is usually more complex, even though they say grammatic, because it's hard to identify, especially if you don't speak those. But, you know, maybe if it was like an English-Spanish pigeon language, you might be able to you know, pull out some words and be trying to like decipher what it is and having some trouble with that. For Dead Man's Chest, so our Pelagostos are speaking a new language called, as I said in the beginning, Umshoko. And no, it's not something I just made up, actually. Umshoko was developed by dialect coach Carla Meyer and UCLA linguist Peter Ladfogand. It was drawn from several international languages and mixed with elements of the always funny Pig Latin and reversed English words. And I even tried to look at some of those words that they were speaking and thinking, oh, Pig Latin, I can decipher that. English words backwards? No, couldn't. No. What the hell? It's like the language and the words that they use for this were the ones that didn't enter the film in the final cut or something. At least not in the minutes that we've had so far. Yeah. And here's a quote that I dug up. Gord didn't want the natives to be identified as anything in particular, so Peter drew from several international languages mixed with Pig Latin and English words spelled backwards. A few examples of this brand new tongue. Ra, 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 fifi means big, big, big fire. Bugo means please. Camino means come back. And I think there's even some more probably out there. I don't know if we want to go through them all. Did you have a couple examples? Pilala. Pilala. Get them. Oh, good. So some of these, when you guys are coming up on it, maybe we'll throw them in and we won't even have to decipher them because you'll know what they mean now. How about Latazo? It's chief. Latazo. Latazo. There you go. That's my nickname. La no. Jack Sparrow was able to pick it up over the course of his two visits to the island and could use it well enough to make himself understood in the context of his role as the native's chief, which we see in this minute. As for Professor Latifogan... He joined the UCLA English Department in 1962, and then in 1966, he moved to the newly formed Linguistics Department, and he established and directed that department until 1991, which was called the UCLA Phonetics Laboratory, which became the most prominent linguistics phonetics laboratory in the entire freaking world. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Not long after he arrived at UCLA, he was actually asked to work as the phonetics consultant for the 1964 movie My Fair Lady, classic. And he died in 2006, right before this movie came out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. The other part of the Um Shoko language duo is Carla Meyer, and she's been in the business as a dialect and dialogue coach since the late 1980s, putting her touch on a lot of well-known movies, including JFK, Batman Forever, The Pirate Box Office Bomb, Cutthroat Island, Aaron Brockovich, Pirates of the Caribbean work beyond this include Pirates of the Caribbean video game, At World's End, Alice in Wonderland, Avatar, and just a ton more. So hmm. that's what she does. I know we're wrapping up, but yesterday you were talking about shooting on the island. The government was completely unprepared for the scale of the movie. I can imagine. Yeah, there were... Um, well, if you've never worked on a movie before or never seen one, you don't have the any idea of the scale of one of these thing, operations that come in. Right. Especially a big budget thing like this. And we talked about just the lunches coming in, bringing in all the plants and the sets and stuff. It's just this incredible feat that if you haven't seen it, you're completely unprepared for. Right. So for somebody like this that maybe don't have a lot of experience with that, 
then all of a sudden you got a full island of people that you never expected. Right. And all the stuff they need to bring with them. Yep. Crew was 100 strong. And they occupied around 90% of the roads on the island. They had trouble moving around on the underdeveloped surfaces. Like you said, they had to go actually and build new roads and stuff to go to drive on. Because they weren't there. you know. So they can't say no trees were harmed in the making of this film. Damn you, Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) The weather was also an issue. It alternated between torrential rainstorms and hot temperatures, which with the cast having to wear this period of clothing within the hot weather and the rain even, you know, it was just very difficult on the cast even. Well, you can't have people that are supposed to be in period clothing when it's supposed to be dry for the scene and all of a sudden they're wet and their costumes are wet, their makeup's wet, their hair is messed up. I mean, you had to be Johnny on the spot with umbrella action here. There's probably pop-ups everywhere, like... The rain's coming. Get the hell out of the water. We don't want to have to sit through hours and hours again of makeup and stuff. Yeah. I can't even imagine having to try and keep all the cast dry in a setting like this. Yeah. And for all this time. It's just really got to be incredible. Right. Uh, Yeah. It's just got to be an entire production just as it is to make sure that all your work and effort that you went into for that day's shoot or for those scenes did not get ruined. Well, just think of the makeup alone. Yeah, that's Especially what I'm on these Pelagostos, you know? Yeah, they have to get everybody out. Yeah. Like, come on, go to your hut. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not even the clothing. It's the makeup and the, you know. Yeah. Because that stuff's just going to run. Yeah. So that's all I got for this week, actually. What do you got? That's it for me. I'm wrapping it up. But we'll be announcing this throughout the week, just so no one forgets or wonders what happened. But next week, we are moving to three days a week. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I know I heard the excruciating... Oh my God, you know, out there. But we talked about the reasons for the shift on Minute 25, but for now I'll just mention the big one. It's a better listening experience for the audience. It really is. By moving to three days a week, we're actually eliminating a lengthy hiatus between the seasons. This schedule that we're doing now will allow us to drop that three to six month period where we're off the air, procrastinating, hanging out on Rum Runner's Isle. And now we can reduce that, you know, rest and prep time dramatically. Yep. Okay, we're not going to reduce the rest time from it. You just won't know it. It'll just uh, magically show up. You'll think, God, these guys are really dedicated. They're there all the time. (laughs) But it'll keep us from disappearing for months at a time, essentially. And we can have a quick rollover to the next season and the next movie breakdown when that happens. And hopefully we'll be able to have more bonus content. Exactly. Because then that, it's hard for people to keep up on a daily show, let alone if you start throwing out weekend episodes and bonus episodes that can drag. And people have trouble catching up and making sure. So to make sure everybody can hear the content and keep caught up or at least have that good listening experience, that's why we're doing this. And plus, it's also for our own sanity, too. And to have that user-listener experience when we're gone, that they're not seeing this complete shutdown from the show. I mean, some podcasts are okay with that and think that, you know, every host has to find their own own groove. And I thought... You know, why do that when we have really long movies that could actually stretch an entire year, basically? Yeah. We can then have a show that seems to appear constant and is always there and is always producing new content throughout the week. So that's kind of what we were thinking. And then after talking with some people about that, they thought it might be a good idea. So who knows in the future, I guess, but this is what we're doing for now and we'll see how it goes. You know, I just wish we had really made that decision and thought about it before we started the season. It would have been better, but... Hey, we don't do that here. We're pirates. <laughs> so if you have any questions, hit us up on social media. Shoot us an email to podcast at blackpearlminute.com or even call the 
dreaded pirate hotline at 8637pirate. So that's all I got. So how about I just say we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 27 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, scallywags, I bet you leave the horn swoggling to a minimum. Or keep it to a minimum. However you want to say it. <laughs> can't even remember my own tagline. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe I need the three days a week because I just can't even do. get through this. Have a tough time. Oh, damn it. Okay. Keep it to a minimum, folks. Keep it to a minimum. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again, and Season 2 is here, and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.